This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special report. Africa's coups are part of a far bigger crisis, is the title of an article on The Economist, October 3rd, 2023. It says that the most recent Afrobarometer survey found that in 24 out of 30 countries in Africa, approval of the idea of military rule has increased since 2014. The article says across 36 countries, only 38% of Africans expressed satisfaction with democracy and 53% said they would be willing to consider a military government. The article asked the question of why discontent with democracy is so widespread across Africa, including in places it calls more stable, like Botswana and South Africa, and says, quote, Africans are frustrated with the sham that passes for democracy in most countries. They are also fed up with flimsy states that provide neither security nor prosperity, end quote. It says majorities in 28 out of the 36 countries polled said that they felt their countries were heading in the wrong direction. And the article goes on, quote, should this continue, many Africans, especially younger ones, may be tempted to reconsider shabby social contracts and look for radical change, end quote. The questions and conclusions drawn by The Economist may not be exactly correct, but the fact that a major bourgeois publication is forced to grapple with these questions is itself significant. Tomas Gerox writes for Africa as a Country blog an article titled The Junta Belt, What's Fueling the Military Takeover Sweeping Across West and Central Africa on October 9th. The article reads in the beginning, Quote, the militaries in six West African countries, Mali, Chad, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Niger, and Gabon, decided relatively recently to remove civilian governments given the deteriorating security situation in the region. They achieved their goals separately by deploying relatively little force, instead seeking legitimation in a political vacuum that has been widening for more than a decade in parts of West and Central Africa, end quote. It says this should be viewed in the context of the disintegration of the hegemonic system of the U.S. and its Western allies and the rise of new power contenders. It continues by saying that this has led to, quote, the intensification of anti- and inter-imperialist struggles worldwide, end quote. But goes on, quote, sadly, the escalation of imperialist rivalries has detrimental effects on the majority of people living in the global peripheries where these complex conflicts take the most explicit form of war and plunder, end quote. Roger McKenzie writes for People's World November 17th, an article titled South Africa refers Israel to International Criminal Court for War Crimes Investigation. It says, quote, this comes as the illegal Israeli assault on the largest hospital in Gaza failed so far to reveal the Hamas command center that Israeli authorities had said was on the premises, end quote. The article also discusses a motion to close the Israeli embassy in South Africa, according to other sources, a resolution was passed by the African National Congress Executive Committee to kick the Israeli ambassador out of the country, but the South African government has not yet closed the embassy. How Gaza's Struggle Reignited Global Indigenous and Anti-Colonial Movements is the title of an article by Ramzi Baroud and Romana Rubio on People's World on November 28th. The picture accompanying the article shows a mural of George Floyd on the Israeli apartheid wall in the West Bank town of Bethlehem. The article starts, quote, 
For decades, the struggle for national liberation in Palestine was rightly understood to be part and parcel of a global struggle for liberation, mainly in the global south, end quote. The article continues by saying that the national liberation movements were part of a global indigenous movement, but says, quote, the collapse of the Soviet Union, the growing dominance of the United States and its allies, and the return of Western colonialism in the form of neocolonialism to Africa, the Middle East, and elsewhere have localized many of the indigenous movements' struggles, end quote. British colonialism oppressed my family in India. I see Palestine in this frame is the title of an article on Truth Out with the subtitle Decolonization is a legitimate frame for talking about Palestine. Here's why. This is by Titi Bhattacharya on November. It is a response to an Atlantic article that said of the Palestinian people and their struggle, quote, the decolonization narrative is dangerous and false, end quote. The Truth Out article says, in fact, Quote, the state of Israel is the final bastion of active settler colonialism, end quote. It mentions Charles Taggart, Taggart, who was notorious for torturing revolutionaries for the empire in British India. And it discusses how he was eventually sent to Palestine to transfer similar tactics of oppression, colonialism and violence in reorganizing the police force there. It says of Palestine that, quote, the British created sturdy infrastructure of occupation whose legacy and utility continue to this day, end quote. The writer also outlines her family's direct connection to British colonialism in India and ends by saying, quote, it is true that the sun never set on the British Empire. This is why from Cape Town to Calcutta, we are the children of those whom the Tigrets tortured. This is why we stand for the decolonization of Palestine, end quote. Zita Zage writes December 2nd for Global Voices, quote, reparations must be paid for the slave trade, end quote, in an article titled A Movement is Growing Across Africa and the Diaspora Demanding Reparations for the Impacts of Slavery and Colonialism. It says the Pan-African Conference on Reparations was held in Accra, Ghana on November 14th with the African Union and the CARICOM, Caribbean Community and Common Market Nations. These members advocated for reparations for injustices, quote, committed against Africans during the transatlantic slave trade, apartheid, segregation, colonialism, neocolonialism, and neoliberalism, end quote. Business Insider Africa, December 12th, has an item entitled Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso to form a federation by Adekunle Agbetiloye, which says, quote, the foreign ministers of Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger have proposed the establishment of a confederation as a step toward their long-term objective of uniting the West African neighbors within a federation, end quote. Quote, military juntas in the countries decided to ditch the France-supported alliance fighting the Sahel Islamist insurgency. Instead, they will join Mali in a security alliance, end quote, says an article entitled Burkina Faso, Niger pull-out of regional G5 Sahel force. That in Germany's Deutsche Welle, December 2nd, the military leaders of Burkina Faso and Niger said in a joint statement that they had already quit the group on November 29th. Andalou Agency state-run media Turkey has an article December 3rd by James Tasamba titled Burkina Faso, Niger's Juntas Pull Out of West Africa's Regional Military Force, which has a subtitle that reads, quote, G5 Sahel failing to achieve its objective, says joint statement, end quote. According to other sources, UN entities in Sudan and DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, are also set to leave at the request of the current governments. And according to several sources, Rally for Justice and Equity Party in Chad and several civil society groups have demanded French troops, including those previously kicked out of Niger, now leave the country. And now we go to a previously recorded interview from September 9th about the new anti-colonial mood, the coups in West Africa, and the shifting global situation. This was recorded about six weeks 
after the military coup in Niger, which saw General Tiani announce that he had taken the position of head of state. Here is the interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. Uh, you're actually the person who's been on my show the most, um, sure. but actually, you know, not everybody listens to every show. Unfortunately, my my listeners don't listen every week all the time. Some do, but um, sure, sure. do you want to just uh, introduce yourself again so folks know who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, I'm Rick Majumdar with the um, uh, Progressive Student Union at the University of Texas at Arlington. I've also organized with the National Alliance Against uh, Resistant Political Repression in Dallas. Yeah, that's great. And um, yeah, I wanted to uh, connect with you. I know you had some uh, thoughts we wanted to discuss Um Specifically, when I reached out to you, we were talking about the um, uh, military uh, taking control in Niger. Um, I know there's been a um, military control and uh, taking the previous um, leader into uh, jail or whatever in Gabon as well. There's been a number of other uh, similar situations. And you had some thoughts uh, specifically to share on that and what your perspective on the um, the ongoing developments, um, especially in uh, West Africa, are. Um, do you want to just uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, over the course of, I think, the last uh, year or maybe a couple of years or so, there's been a developing phenomenon that we've seen in uh, what is the uh, popularly known in West Africa, the Sahel region. Uh, the Sahel region, just for folks, uh, geographically, it, it's the region that, you know, sort of encompasses uh, starting from like Senegal and Mauritania through Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, Nigeria, uh, and up to like Chad and Sudan as well, but that's more east. Uh and not only the, do these countries share like a sort of um, uh, sort of a similar sort of environment, similar sort of geography, similar sort of um, conditions, so to say, but also uh, these regions were also uh, colonized by uh, uh, by France, uh, you know, uh, during this uh, scramble for Africa. Right. And uh, popularly, these are also Francophone countries or French-speaking countries. Um, and because of colonization, uh, these countries uh, have, you know, sort of lost a lot of their patrimony or their natural resources to France. Um, and uh, which is interesting, the interesting fact is that you know, even after formal independence from France, uh, a lot of the African countries, uh, if you look at the history, um, after 1950s, after 1960s, a lot of these West African countries, a lot of African countries in general, uh, got formal independence from uh, their colonizers, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, Congo from Belgium, or the Sahel region from the French colonies, uh, from French colonization, uh, uh, or the English colonies, uh, uh, receiving uh, or fighting for their independence against England, 
there's a common phenomenon that we see during that time that a lot of these countries were receiving formal independence. But the the sad part is even after uh, formal independence, um, several countries, uh, you know, uh, still had the same colonial relations because uh, despite, you know, getting their formal independence, some countries moved away from their French colonizers uh, and, and we, uh, as well as Belgian and other colonizers, uh, we see this with Patrice Lubumba in, in the Congo. But uh, what happened is, is that, you know, even if they had progressive interests, uh, they were cooed. Um, and we see this with Burkina Faso as well. Uh, Thomas Sankara is removed from power uh, due to due to a coup. Um, and he, uh, because of this, uh, leaders were brought into their, their place and... Uh, these leaders were sort of more West-leaning. Um, and because of this, uh, several countries uh, went from being independent to becoming neo-colonies of France, uh, the U United States, and other European Union countries. So uh, that is sort of like the historical context to all of this. Um, but more recently, what has happened is, uh, you know, uh, since 2021, uh, we saw uh, coups in um, in Mali and coup and a coup in Burkina Faso, mm -hmm. uh, both of which were French colonies, uh, and strategically and geopolitically very very important to France. Um, and both of these countries cited that French uh, that the French had uh, been essentially, you know. Uh, having uh, uneven trade relations with these countries. They were acquiring natural resources from these countries uh, and uh, in a lot of cases had uh, first right of refusal on the country's natural resources, which is uh, really, really uh, not good because why should a foreign nation have uh, control over a country uh, that, you know, that is sovereign, right? Right. Um, and uh, most recently, over the course of the last uh, uh, month, month and a half, uh, we've seen uh, uh, the the coup in Niger, and most recently the coup in uh, Gabon as well. Um, Niger is particularly important to France because uh, Niger, is, uh, you know, has some of the highest resources of oil, some of the highest resources of gold, and uh also some of the highest resources for uh new uh, uranium uranium, uranium yeah. ore yeah and um uh some facts uh, is sort of astounding is that you know uh, france has no natural gold mines in its own country but uh 864 reserves of 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 gold in uh, france uh all of the gold comes from Niger, uh, from in from uh, that are stored in those eight hundred sixty four reserves. Right. Uh, uh, for uranium, half of uh, you know one one fifth of the light bulbs that are you know that are powered in um, uh, France is comes from the uranium ore uh, from Niger. 
the nuclear power plants run on the uranium that comes from Niger. Uh, so these facts are sort of astounding. I mean, um, where whereas in Niamey, the capital of Niger, and as well as some some rural areas in Niger, a lot of people don't have electricity. While mm-hmm. you know, uh, uranium is is used uh, and brought over very very cheaply uh, by France and uh, you know uh, at almost no expense really. Uh, neither is a country compensated compensated correctly for their uranium. Neither does Niger get to use the uranium uranium for their own people. Mm-hmm. So this is the sort of situation that I think the coup leaders were looking at and 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 saying that uh, the press the previous president who was coup, um, uh, which is uh, President Bazoum of of Niger, was uh, creating had an, uh, was keeping this uneven relationship in place because uh, he himself was benefiting from it, his family was benefiting from it, uh, and there was not really a a need for him to to change the relationship because of his personal motivations in this. Um, and uh, so I guess, uh, I suppose that's why they, they called him because uh, this the country's uh, coup leaders saw that um, the common people of uh, of Niger, the poor people of, Kuj- of Niger were not getting the uh, resources or the correct sort of Conditions weren't available for these people to uh, to live in a better uh, to be- live in a better way. So yeah, that's why when um, we see uh, Abdul Rahmane Chiani come to power, um, uh, he immediately sort of stopped and created a blockade against the the transfer of uranium to France. Um, and he openly said that you know uh, we're not going to do any more exports to France uh, on a temporary basis, and then said on a permanent basis. Um, and you, the United States had uh, had a reaction to this as well. They said we're going to cut off aid to Niger, uh, and Ch- uh, President Chiani was like, "All right, you'll cut off the aid. That's great. Why don't you use that aid to feed the poor people in your own country? Why don't you use right. that to to?" Uh, you know, to feed the homeless people in your own country. Charity should begin at home. So these are the sort of like facts that that have come out um, on a recent basis. Um, there's also been uh, aggression, militarily, military aggression uh, that has been proposed by ECOWAS countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, ECOWAS countries are essentially uh, countries in Western Africa that have economic uh, community and participation. So they're a group of Western African countries. And of course, Niger, Chad, uh, you know, Burkina Faso, Mali, they're all part of ECOWAS. But some of them are, some of these countries are very West-leaning. Some of these countries are not West-leaning. Um, and that's the important part. Um, and the ECOWAS countries uh, are now being pressurized by uh, France and the United States but mostly France to sort of create an intervention against uh, Niger and also Gabon at this point in time. Uh, but n- up till this point in time, there has been no movement in that direction. So hopefully there will not be any movement in that direction. Right. Yeah. I, I um, Previously, I spoke to uh, Demeji Makali in Nigeria 
He's a revolutionary socialist movement, uh, Nigeria, involvement workers and youth solidarity network. And, um, you know, said a lot of similar things to what you're saying, said that, um, you know, French imperialism was, uh, you know, French colonization was the most uh, brutal of all the, uh, uh, in in his opinion, of all the uh, colonizers um, in the Sahel uh, region. Um, and that, uh, you know, basically that the, that the coup in Niger put uh, Nigerian politicians and, um, you know, the uh, their international backers and stuff on notice, uh, but also said that, uh, you know, now these uh, countries were essentially basing themselves more on Russia, also said that, you know, he couldn't support, um, you know, a military government because he said, you know, in Nigeria, we fought against the military government from 1960 to 1999, you know, so I can't really, uh, you know, actively support a military government. You know, ECOWAS gave like a deadline. You mentioned the ECOWAS uh, intervention. They gave a deadline before, um, you know, that they were going to take some action. seems like there was some minor actions on the border at one point, but I don't know that it didn't seem to really um, go anywhere. You know, what's your thought on where the, you know, what the trajectory of the, um, of these military governments will be? And, and so far, what do you, do you, do you think it's most likely that, uh, ECOWAS and the West won't actively intervene, or do you think that it's pretty likely that they are going to uh, attempt a, a military intervention at some point? Yeah, it depends. I think um, since more and more countries are sort of uh, moving in the direction where they're challenging their uh, their uh, their government, the regime, we're seeing this with Senegal as well. Uh, Senegal's government initially said that they were also going to participate in the intervention, but uh, we we've seen uh, protests in the street against Seneg- uh, against Senegal's leadership, um, and they and the common people there, the working people there, actually uh, are supporting the the coup regime in Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso. Um, it depends on how many countries are going to stand together, right? Like uh, when the ECOWAS countries said that they were going to intervene, uh, the first countries that said that they were going to uh create a sort of bulwark against this was mali uh was burkina faso was uh, as well as algeria and chad also said that we're also going to support uh, niger against this so it depends on uh how many more countries sort of uh uh you know sort of form a resistance group against sort of intervention and if there's more countries participating in this sort of uh, bulwark against the intervention. I think there's a lesser chance of there being uh, there being actually uh, any uh, huge military interventions or even war for that matter. Uh, but of course, you know, uh, it's very difficult to predict exactly what's going to happen. Right. But uh, uh, I think uh, if more countries stand together against uh, the uh, the sort of uh, policies that the French and tacitly the United States are also pushing. I think uh, there'll be a lesser chance of that happening. But of course, there's also some things to note, uh, some important facts to note as well. Like mm-hmm. there's uh, like the United States has a stake in this as well. Since right. uh, in, in Niger, in Agadez, there's uh, one of the largest drone bases anywhere in the world. And uh, there's also U.S. troops uh, that are positioned in in that sort of uh, in that sort of drone factory as well. Um, so that is strategically very important to, towards the United States, and they 
I'm I'm very sure they they don't see the the coup regime very very uh, as something that they want to work with at all. Uh, even uh, Anthony Blinken a few days ago said that you know uh, you know uh, this should be resolved and the the people originally in power should should return to power etc etc mm-hmm. so i think um all of the sort of imperialist countries the the western countries have have a stake in this but i think the biggest players are of course france and the united states um another interesting fact is that you know uh, while all of this was happening in niger uh, macron had not because uh, i follow a lot of these uh uh and the social media of of, of all of these uh, uh, people, the Western leaders, Macron had not said anything on his own social media on Twitter, not anywhere on Twitter, not anywhere on mm-hmm. any of his social medias. But uh, his, of course, his other ministers were talking about it, his defense ministers were talking about it. Um, but around the time of the Niger coup, he was not in Niger at that point in time. He had gone to Papua New Guinea. And the interesting thing to note about Papua New Guinea is Papua New Guinea also has uh, the equivalent amount of gold and equivalent amount of uh, gas and natural resources. They also have they also have some trace uranium, but not not at the level of Niger. Mm. Uh, so I it, it's speculation really, but it's uh, it's there is a possibility if there's if they can pivot away from Niger or some of the African countries and sort of. Uh, sort of put their boot on Papua and uh, acquire those resources from there. A little easier, a little easier than the direct uh, attack where folks are rising up right now. Right. Right. To extract those resources. Um, I know some of these um, uh, military regimes have announced they're going to have elections uh, soon. I mean, I, I, I had noticed that the, um, these uh, coups seemed more popular uh, mm. potentially than uh, other similar or whatever situations in the recent past. Um, right. Do you think that, that that is the goal of, of these leaders is to uh, move towards some kind of a, a elections or do you think there's going to be a period, I mean, you know, a period where there's going to be uh, infighting and stuff. I mean, do you think that military uh, rule is a, is a big concern here, and 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 what are your thoughts? What are you hearing or seeing from those folks? Yeah, as well as activists it, on the ground. Yeah, uh, I think it's like you know, it's interesting to question who is doing the coup, right? Right. Uh, if it's like we've seen coups in in Latin America conducted by the United States constantly, uh, even the most recent ones uh, going back to like twenty nineteen when the United States had conducted a coup against Evo Morales. Um, because uh, Bolivia has such a high amount of of lithium and other uh you know elements that you can use right. for uh, semiconductors and other things, it depends on who is doing the coup, right? If it's a if it's the if it's the Western leaders conducting a coup to satisfy their own motivations, uh, that is one thing. But that's a good uh, that's a good coup. Yeah, that's a yeah. happy coup. That's a happy a coup, friendly right? coup. A friendly coup, but uh, of course, you know how the how the West paints it is that uh, you know if 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 the people rise up and they if they are unsatisfied with their government, they 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 conduct a coup to remove the people in power who are um, friendlier to the West, uh, 
um then that's sort of a like a what could be called a bad coup right right <laughs> um but it's interesting because all of this region in sahel is now called the kubelt um mm-hmm. and uh, it's also difficult to predict uh, what direction these military junctures will take um but what we've seen in in burkina at this point in time they've they've had a uh, the the new government of ibrahim traore come to power and uh, they've actually had some success with their own government in terms of uh, you know uh, a lot of welfare schemes have that were ended after uh, the removal of thomas sankara are now being reinstated or being restarted uh, and the working people are are economically benefiting from this um so so that's an interesting fact whether mm-hmm. or not uh, even in 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 mali there's been some uh, praise for the 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 mali leadership after they to, they came to power uh like uh, nick i won't say like you know for 100% i know exactly what's going to happen with of course not. These, uh, of these countries <laughs> like but i will say what i what i will say is that you know uh, challenging uh, western imperialism challenging french imperialism is a, is is undoubtedly a good thing whether they take a socialist approach or whether they don't take a socialist approach whether they have elections whether they go for popular or uh, popular de- uh, popular democracy where you have voting etc is is left to be seen uh, these are new governments they are i think if they participate alongside each other i think they they stand to benefit the people stand to benefit in their own country it's 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 a lot of it is in the imagination but i hopefully i i feel that you know uh, that they will be able to resolve some of the what we call contradictions in in these societies and uplift the 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 working people from their um, their conditions um and i and i and i and i truly wish them success in in that regard right. um but you know it's 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 something left to the imagination at this point in time yeah i uh yeah i mean i'm kind of taking a wait and see approach to see what happens i mean you know the people of the of these countries obviously also have a huge role to play you know like you said working people poor people you know uh right. taking things into their own hands um you know which like i said you've seen more popular um demonstrations and things like that in support of the uh uh of the coup and depending on like in Niger uh, specifically, but like depending on what happens, we'll have to see what uh, what role different people play. And I think, yeah, if um, if there's a block of countries that stand together, that has a better chance of, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, putting a stall to the plans of uh, of France and the U.S. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to um, talk about uh, in the Sahel region? Otherwise, I was going to just bring up another thing real quick. Yeah, I think uh, it, the timing of it is interesting because there was a uh, Russia-Africa conference going on at the same time as this. Uh, it also perfectly uh, aligned with two other things. First, the EFF, the Economic Freedom Fighters, having their uh, or some of their conferences in South Africa mm. uh, at this point in time, and also the BRICS uh, summit, which happened in S- South Africa. Uh, only a few uh, you know maybe a half a week or a week ago um all of this sort of lined up perfectly and it's sort of indicative of the direction that africa as a whole is is taking um uh, of course it's it's not to say that a lot of these leaders are also sympathetic towards the west but of course i think 
there's been uh, there's been some changes in in the direction in which they or or, or approach they're taking towards uh, in in a geopolitical sense because they've uh, a lot of these African countries have realized that their participation in uh, the uh, with the West, uh, you know, whether it be with IMF or World Bank or things like that, are are sort of not working. Um, mm-hmm. And the BRICS alignment is 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 interesting in the regard that um, is interesting in the regard that there's uh, there are countries who applied for BRICS, there are countries that are uh, that are now uh, looking at uh, looking to sort of. Uh, empower their own currencies, trade in their own currencies, as well as strengthen their own currencies. Uh, and now the BRICS block is also so has some of the largest, um, you know, oil reserves anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, uh, anywhere in the world. So uh, it, it's it's sort of it's sort of good to uh, n- not just see these coups as isolated things, but as connected to larger happenings. Uh, also, uh, was an interesting fact that came out just this morning. The African Union was just accepted as a permanent member of the G20. So, uh, it's it's uh, even though that the BRICS is doing so well, uh, the African Union still wants to participate in the G20 because of their political alignments towards the uh, you know the Western countries. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, sort of like all I had on, on, on what's oh, yeah. happening. I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely huge shifts going on uh, geopolitically and globally right now. And, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm definitely hopeful that, uh, you know, working people and, uh, you know, people that have not had access to resources before can, um, I don't know, capitalize on this, like you said, to uh, expose those contradictions and win uh, access to uh, the things that we need. And, uh, you know, uh, humanity, humanity being treated as uh, human beings. So right, right. I, I think that's the uh, that's the key to the extent that we can use all this to um, to get to that point. That's the uh, for me. That's the key. Thanks, Rick. Have a thanks good day, so and thanks much. for talking with me. All right, talk to you soon. All right, take care. Have a good yep. day. Bye bye. Another portion of that interview that was cut discusses India's space program and India's Prime Minister Modi. I may share that portion at a later time. And that is our special report. We thank all our listeners for tuning in. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.